This is the Wide Awake Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirsten Kazarian. As a child psychologist, I believe the most important part of the work I do is supporting parents by helping them deeply attune to their child and find their own balance of connection, nourishment, and inspiration. To do this, I lean on the practice of mindfulness. Join me in a conversation about raising our kids, raising our consciousness, and trying to stay awake. Welcome. I want to begin this episode by saying this is really hard. You are not failing and neither is your child. This pandemic has physically separated us from each other, from deeply important support systems. For parents, it may be our village that loves our child and wants to help, but at this moment can't. Parents do a lot of jobs and wear a lot of hats. Right now, we're being stretched into shapes and structures that aren't sustainable. Our resources are spread transparently thin. This moment is a state-of-the-art anxiety production machine. But it won't last forever. It will pass. That doesn't mean we worry any less about the impact it will have on our child. Big life events usually do shift something about us, maybe drawing us even closer to our values or causing us to see the world or ourselves differently. These moments can be overwhelming, but they also can be an opportunity for us to realize our own strength, reconnect with those who love us, and learn new skills that make us even more resilient. How will our child respond? The outcome depends on who that child is, how they functioned before the event, and how we help them cope. In this moment, we only have control over the latter, offering our support and helping them cope. The following are our recommendations for supporting your child's mental health during this national emergency. We hope by listening, you'll be reminded how much you're already doing to embrace them for the impact of the unknown. Our first recommendation is to go with your parent gut. As a child psychologist, part of my work is communicating with my patient's parents. When meeting a new family, I work off of parent concerns until my assessment is complete. I found the parental instinct is almost always leading us down the right path, or at least one of them. If the parents I work with feel empowered to trust their gut and deeply connect with their child, then I know I'm doing my job. The parent-child relationship is undoubtedly the most important factor in a child's development. We become experts in what makes our child unique and how they respond to the world. It's no surprise that traumatic events will affect everyone differently. So as I'm making suggestions, know that some of them will feel like a good fit for you and your child, and others won't seem as relevant. Go with your parenting gut. Take what serves you and your child and leave the rest here. Our second recommendation is to shore up your resources, and I'm not talking about toilet paper. 
I'm talking about your emotional resources, your physical energy, and the bandwidth in your brain. There's a lot going on. You're making some of the biggest decisions you've probably ever had to make about the safety of your immediate and extended family, financial decisions, and much more depending on who's looking to you for leadership in this moment. There is some skill in the word no and knowing what's needed and where to cut the fat. Remember that putting yourself first is something you're worthy of. However, like many of us, that doesn't sink in. I'll try it this way. Putting yourself first is the best thing you can do as a parent right now. By harnessing your emotional strength, taking the extra step to listen to your body, and saying no to information or problems overwhelming your bandwidth, you're protecting your child's resiliency. You're doing this through modeling self-care, and therefore you're able to be more emotionally available and present. We know you're an incredibly caring parent because you're listening to a podcast about helping your child cope in your tiny amount of free time. These recommendations are going to be so much more effective if you build them on a foundation of self-care. Our third recommendation is to listen up. So listening carefully is one of the most important things you can do for your child to build emotional intelligence, improve self-esteem, and increase their ability to self-regulate. It is crucial after a crisis event. Listening to their stories, their concerns, the arguments with their siblings, it all gives us information about how they're managing through this drastic change. Listening is the best way for us to monitor how they're doing. But there is a specific way we need to listen if we want to get the data, if we want the real answer to that question of how are they doing. We need to validate their feelings. Don't get distracted by the bickering, the whining, and the bad behavior. Go ahead, notice it, and of course, follow through on your household consequences if it feels right. But do not lose sight of the irritability, the fear, and the anxiety underlying these behaviors. Validating is not just agreeing with something you don't actually agree with or letting poor behavior slide. It's acknowledging how someone feels about what they're experiencing. Because I believe this is the most important thing we can do at any time for anyone to support their mental health, here's what it might sound like. This is your third fight with your sister this morning. I wonder if you're feeling sad and it's making it hard to be patient. You've been whining instead of using your words. Are you feeling confused right now? You're really upset you can't see your friend You're probably super lonely without her. When we listen like this, without shaming our child or ignoring their experience, they keep showing us how they feel. And if we keep helping them label their feelings, they'll begin to better verbalize how they feel. And they will verbalize this to us because they know they can trust us to be validating of their experience. And that's how we get the data that we've been trying to collect since they were born and we were standing over their bassinet. How are they doing? Our fourth recommendation is that you don't need all the answers, which is a relief because we don't have them. Your child may have a lot of questions about the things they're hearing or the changes they're experiencing. Before you panic and start trying to answer all of those questions, 
lean on your listening and ask them questions. See what they know, what they don't know, what they may have misinterpreted from watching TV or overhearing adult conversations. Ask questions first. It gives you a moment and helps you to harness your energy so your answers can be as intentional as they can be in a pandemic. Every person's different, and the things your child's actually thinking about may surprise you. Even if you don't have the answers they want, your curiosity reminds them their feelings are important and they're deeply connected to you even at this time. Refrain from sharing adult or graphic details, but answer them honestly. It's okay to be brief and then check in with their thoughts and feelings, and then to use your validating skills to validate those feelings. They may ask the same questions again and again, and that does not mean you're not answering them quote unquote correctly. It's a normal part of the process. They're seeking reassurance. Let them know they're safe and they're loved. Remind them of their strengths and the strengths of your family and community. Sitting with their feelings is enough, but you can also explore what being worried feels like in your child's body and offer to practice some deep breathing or body stretches if they show some interest. Fifth recommendation is to turn off the news. Full disclosure, this one's really hard for me in a moment like this. As soon as my child's asleep, I begin sneaking around, turning on devices. How many podcasts can I check before my PBS NewsHour fix? Yes, you do need to be linked to information in order to make decisions that keep your family safe and healthy. But finding a balance is key as the media sensationalizes things. There's always a sense of intensity and you're trying to create as much calm for your family as you can. These things just don't work together in harmony. With live coverage, you never know who or what could come on screen that you may wish your family could unsee. Also, try to hold off on your adult discussion of a crisis or planning. This is not always possible, but if you're not in immediate danger, limit little ears overhearing adult information. Our sixth recommendation is really a reminder that imaginative play is healing. This is unstructured play where children lead and decide what they want to do. They have complete creative control. Control is something we all lack during a crisis, so what a nourishing experience for them. A lot of wonderful stuff happens when children get to engage in free play. If you're interested in hearing more, in episode six of this podcast, we break down how play benefits your child's emotional, cognitive, relational, and physical development, even their academic future. For our purposes here, this play is useful because it helps children process their feelings about stressful situations and express them in a safe way. It's how they heal. Sit down and join them or just remain close by. Listen for patterns such as being scared, rescued, death, loss, helping, and other themes related to the crisis. All children should get an opportunity for free play every day, along with enough sleep and time outside. It's that crucial, especially in a time of stress. Our seventh recommendation is to structure some simple joys. If you're still adjusting and a routine feels impossible, create structure for your child within the chaos of not knowing what the next day or week will look like. 
It can be disorienting for the whole family to try to function normally while not knowing what to expect. Pick one thing each day that you can use as your child's North Star. You may be searching the garage for the squirt guns to have a water fight, making a favorite meal or baking a favorite dessert, or it may be something you do every day like taking their best furry friend for a walk. Pick even the smallest thing and refer to it throughout the day so your child has something to orient to. You're smoothing out the edges of an unpredictable environment. You're also reminding them that you're here in charge and trustworthy as always. When you say you're going to have spaghetti for dinner, you're going to have spaghetti for dinner. That hasn't changed even if it feels like everything else has. Our eighth recommendation is to help them see the silver linings. It's easy for our attention to get stuck on what's threatening. Refocus your family's attention on the helpers, as Mr. Rogers would remind us. Take a moment to acknowledge the amazing training of our local medical personnel, first responders, the courage of our police and fire departments, and other essential workers keeping us safe and healthy during this turbulent time. Gratitude is not only respectful and kind, it's shown to keep our brains calmer, helping us with decision-making in tough times and balancing our mood. It's also been shown to decrease PTSD symptoms in individuals experiencing violence in war zones. So if it's not already part of your family's day, add it to your preparedness kit. Ask your kids who and what they're grateful for today. And our final recommendation is to help them be a silver lining for someone else. After we've been in survival mode, our adrenaline's pumping and we can be full of energy that feels uncomfortable and we're not sure what to do with it. If you're safe, but you're now having to confront the emotional fallout of this massive change, bringing attention to others can be a relief. Practicing small acts of kindness keeps your child's heart and mind busy and empowered. This may include gathering supplies for local shelters, shopping for a vulnerable neighbor, sending an email filled with love to a friend or family member, taking really good care of their pet, or meditating or praying for those in harm's way. If you liked the last idea, we have a loving kindness meditation you can access as part of this podcast. It's bonus episode number 13. We're planning to release a few more episodes to support your family during this time, including dealing with tough feelings, using intention setting as a reset for your family while you're in quarantine, finding a screen time balance while at home all day, and using your senses to soothe and ground. So look for those. We'll announce those on our Instagram at Wide Awake Parenting. And please share this episode with anyone you think would find it useful. Send us your thoughts or questions. You can reach out to us at wideawakeparenting.com. And of course, rate us to help others find this resource. Please be safe and be well. That is our episode. I'm Dr. Kirsten Kazarian, and until we meet again, be gentle on yourself, courageous on your path, and let's help each other try to stay awake.